Guys, it's good to see all of you out today. My name is Randy. If you've not been with us, and uh, I want to welcome you to our time together again. And uh, it's an awesome time of year. I mean, this is this great. Um, it's a little cold, but it's warmed up. It's, it's bearable, right? And we got Thanksgiving. Uh, we got a half a week uh, coming up, so that's an awesome thing. Uh, then on Thanksgiving Day, uh, lots of turkey and family and, uh, and then shopping for you crazy people. So it's, uh, it's a big week. We can make it through th- uh, Wednesday, all right? Glad you're here today to share with us as we begin a, a brand new series. And uh, thanks, Allison, for uh, those words about mops. I don't, uh, uh, you know, it's hard to say how impactful the ministry of mops is in our church, in our community. And uh, moms who just need an outlet, somewhere to go and, and belong, it's a great thing for them. And, uh, and then we do see people coming to know the Lord through that, which is just like Allison and others as well. So that's it's an awesome ministry, and we want to thank them for their service and remind you that when you give, it does go to ministries like that. Well, today we're on a new series. Uh, we're moving out of the Holy Spirit, and we're moving into prayer, which to me is a very natural uh, transition. Uh, we're just going to segue from uh, seeking God through His Spirit, and the way we do that most often is through prayer, opening our lives up and just communicating with God. So we just felt like it was time to kind of, you know, focus a little bit on, on learning how to pray. And so that's kind of the name of our series, uh, Teach Us to Pray. It's going to be based on the Lord's Prayer, uh, what we call the model prayer, uh, because that is exactly how Jesus taught us to pray. And that was the goal, really, of when it was given. The disciples were watching Jesus and his ministry. They watched him uh, heal people. They watched him listen to him preach and teach and minister and serve to people. But it's interesting that the only thing they really asked Jesus, as far as we have recorded, for Jesus to teach them was to teach them how to pray. It's in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, prayer, I believe, was one of the most impactful things that Jesus did. And it's kind of interesting that in the very scripture, his disciples, it doesn't say they were praying with him. It says that they were watching him, or when he finished praying, they just said, Jesus, we would love to pray like you do. Have you ever heard anybody pray in a way that you wish you could do? You know, I mean, just they're just good. I mean, you just like, the words just seem to flow, and some of us, the words just seem to stick. But with other people, just listening to them pray is, is, is something we almost envy. We know that's a sin, uh, but we want to be like that. And so hopefully through this study, we're going to get closer to God and we're going to feel more comfortable in our prayer life. We're going to feel like we know what we're doing and we're going to pray and ask God to teach us as well how to pray because the disciples wanted the same connection with God that we long for today that we need. And it's kind of interesting. Studies show that the number one thing that growing Christians want is to better connect with God. Studies also tell us that that prayer for guidance is one of the most powerful spiritual practices that help us move on our spiritual journey at every point. That means when, when we're just coming and we're exploring Christ, prayer for guidance is a powerful practice that helps us move to the next level. When we're young in our faith, when we're growing and maturing in our faith, that prayer for guidance is always one of the most successful, most common spiritual practices that help us take our next step on our journey. And so today as we talk about that, we're going to try to clarify, uh, and today the the title of the message is The Difference, The Difference Prayer Makes. We're going to talk about the difference sometime of what we can do alone and what God can do. Because I believe when we start thinking about needs in our life, there are two options that we have. One of those options is what I can do. 
And that's where most of us tend to go, the self-reliance. This is what I can do, and we kind of exhaust that option first. That's our go-to place. I can fix this. You know, I'm going to do everything I can, pull all my resources. I can fix it. On the other side is, is the God option. It's, it's what God can do and how God can set into our life. But what I believe is that prayer is kind of like the difference between what you can do, the best that you can do, and the best that God can do. And that's a big difference. It's a big difference. Because while all of us, you know, we can be, we're pretty independent in everything, the reality is that we can come nowhere near what God can do. And oftentimes we're tapping our own weaknesses and we're ignoring God's strength. And prayer is kind of the place in the middle where we drop our self-reliance and we totally depend on Him as we call on Him because He can do so much more. See, God is calling all of us into a deeper relationship with Him, no matter where, he, where we are in our, our walk. If we're just beginning, we're just exploring, if we're maturing in our faith, wherever it may be, God is calling us to join Him in this exciting adventure of prayer but oftentimes we resist that and we push back against God in prayer. You know, I don't know uh, statistically how many people are uncomfortable with prayer. I'm not sure we could find that out. But I do think sometimes that we have a lot of excuses why we don't pray. For some people, we're a little bit embarrassed if we're honest, to come to God because we're a little bit ashamed of the way we're living our life and we know that when we pray, God knows, if He knows everything, He knows we're there and it's a little bit embarrassing. For some people, we don't know what to say to God. You know, we, we're not sure how to word our prayers. Some people are so eloquent, we feel so awkward and so uncomfortable. Or maybe we think that God is so busy with everything else in the world, He just doesn't have time or the desire to listen to my prayers and my little, you know, insignificant needs. Or maybe we don't want to bother God because he's so busy with important things around the world. For some people, they don't trust God. They don't have the experience in life to say, God really cares about what's going on in your world. And they don't trust that God either cares or that God has the power to really make a difference. And then I think sometimes there are those of us who are just afraid to ask God to get into our lives. Because if we get God into our lives, then God, you know, we may have to do what God wants us to do or where God forces us to do, and we're afraid what that might mean for us. And so there are a lot of reasons, I think, that we're a little reluctant to actually pray and invite God into our life and, and His will to be done. And let me tell you, I think there's one other thing in our country today, in our world, we are so blessed, we're so blessed that we seemingly can get through a lot of life without God. There are a lot of us who just try to get through, and we don't call upon God because, because we've got everything going our way. You know, we don't live in a desperate world like a lot of people do. If you've ever been to a third world country and, you know, and seen the people who don't know where their next meal is going to come from, they pray, if they're believers, they pray about that. When we got pantries full of food, we think, well, we don't have to worry. We'll just go get something out to eat or grocery stores to purchase from. So, so a lot of times we're so blessed, our blessings, I think, sometimes become a barrier to seeking God's provision and God's blessing in our life. When we're struggling without, we call upon God. People do that. But then when things turn on us and things change, suddenly we start looking for help, don't we? We look at the other option. When the test results come back and they're not good, when cancer strikes, Whenever there's a phone call that tears your world apart and the bottom drops out and those things, those crises drive us to God and then we pray. 
then we pray. You know, I was reading that the fact that 79% of the people in our country pray at some point, almost 80% pray at some point in the last three months. So most people pray the reality, but, but think about how those prayers are oftentimes posed. You know, there are a lot of people who pray at meals, right? You know, a lot of us would never eat a bite of food without praying at the meal. And sometimes those are hurried through depending on, you know, how hungry we are possibly. Or maybe we sit down and we pray with our children, you know, because we want to model prayer for them. We want to teach them. Or maybe our prayer is when we're in a crisis and when those things I mentioned happen and suddenly we start throwing prayers up everywhere, hoping that that some of them will stick somewhere. But you know, there's a difference in a meal prayer and and a tossed up crisis prayer, or even maybe even a child's prayer sometimes. There's a difference in those settings and in having a real prayer life. And I guess that's what I really want us to think about because this is something God's really been impressing on my heart as I have to acknowledge that my prayer life isn't what I would like for it to be. And so through this study, I'm going to challenge you. I'm, I'm going to be doing some things, and I'll try to share a little bit what I'm doing, but, but I want to challenge you to start thinking seriously about a prayer life that is deepening, not, not maybe something shallow when you pray, when you think about it. I know some of us say, well, I pray when I drive. I keep my eyes open, of course, and that's, that's fine too. But, but I want to try to push you to a more structured prayer time so that you can grow deeper in your faith and you can know, you know, there's a connection that I have with God. And I think every ch- believer needs to be chasing desperately after a deepening prayer life regardless of where you are with Him. And if you're here today and you say, my prayer life is awesome, it's deep, it's incredible, then pray for the rest of us. Because I think most of us would have to say we're not where we'd like to be, all right? But understand that we are the ones who decide, are we going to spend the time, commit the time, and, and invest in the relationship with God? Because the difference, the difference in prayer is in relationship. It is in relationship. And, and literally almost every facet of the Christian life, it all comes down to having a real relationship with God. So let me just say this. I believe that real prayer is driven by relationship, not by need or crisis. Real prayer is driven by relationship, not need or crisis. In other words, we don't want to be the people that only go to God when we're in desperate need or crisis. I want to challenge you to be the people that have a deep relationship with God, that we take the initiative when things are going well. Everyone prays when things are falling apart, but be the person who prays when things are going well and you deepen your walk with Him. You know, if you have a relationship with someone, you have to invest in that relationship, don't you? I mean, you, you can't just have a relationship and, and not know anything about them, not care uh, about their likes or dislikes or their love language, which is important in all relationships, by the way, not just in marriage. Uh, you have to spend time together. You have to bond with that person. That's what builds relationships. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone or a so-called relationship that's a one-sided relationship where the other person doesn't really uh, care or know anything about you? That's not a very fulfilling relationship, you know, and pretty soon those begin to fall apart. Have you ever seen a marriage where one person was not really invested in the other person? They, they didn't spend any time getting to know them. Those are the type of relationships that don't last, but those are the time, uh, kind of relationships oftentimes that, that we have with God. God knows everything about us, but we do very little to get to know Him and deepen our knowledge of Him and our relationship with Him. 
We want to contrast those empty relationships with the marriages and maybe other relationships that you admire where there is a connection that's so obvious. When they're together, I mean, or you're with them, there's just a oneness that's there. And that's what we want to have with God. We want to build that. So I just want to, I'm going to make a statement. It's kind of long, but I hope it makes sense. And that is that your prayer life will make the difference in your relationship with God, and your relationship with God will make a difference in your prayer life. I hope that makes sense, because as you deepen your walk with the Lord, your, your prayer life is going to improve, there's no doubt. And as your prayer life improves, your relationship with God is going to do so as well, because they're interconnected there. We're always going to pray in a crisis, but will you pray when things are really good? And the answer is only if your relationship with God is alive and strong. And so that's what we're going to talk about because that's really what Jesus was trying to establish with his disciples. And he wasn't just trying to establish, hey, get to know God and, you know, understand God. He was saying, I, I want you to be able to pray. And as you pray, you're going to deepen your walk and that connection with God is going to get better. So that's why prayer is one of the most important spiritual practices that you can have regardless of where you are on your walk with Christ. So let's jump in and look at the Lord's Prayer a little bit here and, and ask what does it make the difference when it comes to prayer? The first thing I think we see in it is that it starts with worship. It all starts with worship. Look at the prayer. We're going to look at two different places of the, the Lord's Prayer. One of them is in Luke chapter 11. I read that. The other one's at Matt, Matthew chapter 6. And here's what it says. Uh, Jesus said, Matthew 6, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. And that's uh, you know, a, a pretty familiar statement because most of us know the Lord's Prayer, right? But what does the word hallow mean? Well, we, normally we just got out of Halloween a couple of weeks ago, so that, that would kind of distort the meaning. But what does it mean to hallow something? To hallow something means to consecrate something or to make it holy, which is kind of a contrast with, with Halloween, actually. Uh, but it means to lift something up. It means to worship something, to hallow something. You've probably heard about hallowed ground, you know, like a battlefield where people died and gave their life for something. That's, that's, that's ground that we, you know, that we respect, right? It means to worship something. We worship the name of God. That's how Jesus said, begin your prayers. Begin by worshiping God. That worship is the most important thing that we can do, and it's how we're supposed to approach God. Worship the name of God. Our worship doesn't make God's name holy. We don't have the power to do that. Our worship simply acknowledges the holiness of His very name. His name represents God. You know, in the Old Testament, um, the, the names of God, the various Hebrew names, they actually represented God. And, and the name of God was worship. And so Jesus is saying, God is so holy that you will know him and worship him just by his name, that you hallow the name of God. Now, why is worship so important when it comes to prayer? Why is that so important that we begin with worship? I think the answer is that worship changes us. And worship changes us. When we come in this morning, and we, had a, we did have an awesome worship service, I'll agree with Jake on that, that changes us. It changes our heart. And I got to be honest with you, when um, I got a phone call right before the message, and it was a little bit distracting, a little bit disturbing, something I had to go do, make another phone call, uh, make, make a tough decision, and, 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 and do something. 
And I was distracted when I walked in, and I'm like, I don't know how in the world I'm going to preach because I'm thinking about this. But as we worship, it began to change my heart and my mind to refocus it to say, okay, we're talking about prayer. We're talking about God. This other thing is secondary. Even so, it's important. It's secondary. Worship, is, it changes our hearts, but it also touches the heart of God. When we come to God and we approach him and we're worshiping God and we're hallowing his name, God is, he's touched by that. And so what we're doing is we're opening a channel of relationship where our hearts are focused on him and God's heart is focused on us. And there's a coming together, there's a union of our hearts and God's heart and a oneness when we worship God. And that's really what we're creating. We're, we're, We're creating communication, which is so important in every relationship, right? We're communicating with God because we're worshiping him. And that's how we go into our prayer time. In John chapter four, Jesus said, yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit, the Father in the spirit and in truth. For these are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And what I love about this is it just pulls in the prayer. It pulls in, it pulls in the truth of God's word as we you know, we know the word, we, and then we worship in the spirit. We just come to God in this way, and, and we're just building this connection with him. And so what Jesus is saying is, before you begin to ask God for your requests and your wants and the things that are on your heart, start to touch the heart of God. Make that connection with God, and make sure that God knows that you love him and worship him. Because worship establishes where I am and where God is, that I'm this little puny person down here. I don't really have a right, but God's given me the invitation. And so now I'm coming in worship and I'm saying, God, you are so awesome. You're incredible. I'm, I'm coming to you and I know you're waiting on me, but I also know, God, that you're not a genie waiting there for me to rub the bottle and give me my three wishes. That's not who God is. That God is high and lifted up on his throne. That God is worthy of praise and, and, and honor and worship. And so my prayers need to begin with worship. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, do it like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The second element that we see here is full surrender. It is surrender to God. Again, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We're going to talk more about this in the series. But, but our prayer... We have to let go, and we have to let God. We have to let go. You know, um, many of us here today probably have some control issues. Uh, Let me rephrase that. Many of the people sitting next to you probably have some control issues, you know? Probably probably there is control issues in here, and and we want to fix it. It kind of goes back to our our self-reliance that I was mentioning there a a little bit before. Uh, We think we can fix it, and we try to keep control because of our pride and our independence and, you know, um, maybe who knows what other motives we have, but, but we have control issues in our life. And, and when it comes to prayer, we have to let go of the control. We have to release, you know, Jesus take the wheel, kind of like we, we, we know at some point that we can't do it. And so a lot of us, it's a control issue, and, and we say, well, I'm just going to give it to God. Have you ever said that? I'm just going to give this to God. But you know what normally happens? As soon as we give it to God, we turn around and take it back. We take it back because we don't, we're not sure that God's got it, for, to be honest. And our control issues are kicking in, and we're like, I don't know if God can handle this. I better, I better get grip of this, this thing once again. Uh, we're giving God you know, lip service. We're going we're gonna to give it away, give it away and, and take it back. Well, let me ask you this. How in the world 
Can God deal with the situation that we're in? How can God take that uh, and do what is right when we insist on retaining control? How can God do that? And the answer is he can't. He won't. He won't override our free will. So, so if we're saying, I don't know what to do, I'm going to give it to God and then give it to God and then take it back, and, you know, God's like, well, it's on you. You know, I, I really want to help you, just, but let it go. Let it go. And I think a lot of it is just our own control issues. You know, what I've noticed is that the way that God sometimes answers our prayers is not what you think it should be. Probably you've come to that same conclusion, right? In fact, it may be the exact opposite of what you're praying for. The opposite of what you're praying for. But if we're truly trusting God and we're seeking his will, then we have to go into prayer being totally honest with him and fully surrendering to him, willing whatever his will may be to acknowledge that and to acknowledge he knows more than we do. Instead of thinking only of of what I want, I have to lay everything down, including control, and I have to give it to God and I have to leave it there and walk away. So let me ask you this. Can you truly pray God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, let me tell you what that looks like and what it looked like in the life of Jesus. What full surrender looked like to him. We know in the latter part of the Gospels, for example, Matthew chapter 26, that Jesus was facing arrest and he was facing his death. and, And he knew that was coming up. But in Matthew 26, he is praying to God. And here's what his prayer sounded like, just a part of it. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken away, yet not as I will, but as as you will. So Jesus had taught his disciples, when you pray, say this, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's easy to say something like that, but when it came down to practice, Jesus could do it as well, because Jesus said, not as I will, not as I want, but your will be done. He taught them to pray and surrender, and then he modeled it. And by the way, I think they were listening as well. If they were awake, they were struggling with being asleep. But if they were awake, they heard this prayer and they knew what Jesus was praying. They they couldn't have known what was coming, but but they heard his prayer of surrender. And can you imagine doing that? And for those of us who struggle with, with control issues and trusting God, can you imagine knowing the outcome, knowing that you're going to be horribly beaten, you're going to be tortured and die an agonizing death and knowing that was coming, but also knowing that God could prevent it, God can do all things, and yet willingly surrendering to it. To me, that's the ultimate act of surrender. And so we learn from that. If we're going to let Jesus teach us how to pray, we're going to have to learn that surrendering means that you trust that God knows what he's doing, and you release everything to him in prayer. And you know what this does in my mind? In the practical way, this, this applies in the most difficult of situations, even in death. Even in death. And, you know, death is, for many of us, we think that's the worst thing that could happen. But, you know, there, there are things worse than death. We all know that, right? There are a couple things about dying that, that never cease to amaze me. Um, the first one is the frailty of life. I, I am always amazed how frail life can be, how quickly life can be taken. Uh, we should never live with an assurance in our mind, oh, I'm going to do this tomorrow. I think the Bible warns against that, doesn't it? Um, because we don't know. We, uh, life can be taken so quickly by illness or heart attack or an accident. I'm always amazed by the frailness of death, but I'm also equally amazed by the tenacity of life sometimes. I, I can't even, it just blows my mind. I've seen people choose to go to 
extreme measures to pro- prolong life and, and do pull out the stops, whatever, even when the odds were very poor or if the measures, in fact, would be very difficult on them. Sometimes we kind of shake our heads and go, wow, you know, for a believer to, to be so insistent, I have to live as long as I can live here. You know, I'm not saying we choose death. I'm just saying sometimes making decisions is, is difficult and very hard on people. And I've also seen people very near death um, and hang on for an unbelievable amount of time. I think about my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather was a, a big figure in my life. He was my papa. Some of you, what's the baby going to call you? If I have any say, he's going to call, she's going to call me Papa is what I want to be called because that was my, my, my closest grandfather's father's name. But I remember when Pop, when he got older, it just was Pop, but I remember when Pop was dying and I was watching him, I thought, I don't know how he could take one more breath, but he took another one and another one. And for a couple of days, he lived like that. I can't understand the tenacity of life sometimes. Those two things are contrast, but they both amaze me. And what I've thought sometimes is that we oftentimes pray for life when death would be a blessing. It really would. And many of you have been in those situations where you prayed for life, you prayed for life, and then at some point your prayers turn as you know that the greater blessing for this person because of the deterioration of their body would be for them to go to be with the Lord if they are a child of God. And I guess what I'm saying is that for a Christian, we should not stubbornly cling to this life when there's a much better life waiting for us. Many of us have had to go through that with our loved ones. And Jesus was kind of like that. You know, he was on the cross. In Luke 23, he prayed, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. I surrender. I surrender. And his surrender was an important part of this prayer. It was uh, in a cup, not only God's will, but also his spirit. So prayer is surrender. Like Jesus, our human nature pushes us against spiritual surrender. I want to live. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to be in control. God knows that. He knew that Jesus was pulled toward the flesh, but was willing to surrender to him in spirit. And he knows that about us as well. He knows that about us. Why would God act and move on our behalf when he knows that, that we're not fully surrendered to him, that we're going to resist him regardless of what, what the issue might be? And that may be why we're not seeing him more, move more in our lives because he knows that we're not willing to let him take everything fully, even to the ultimate part of our lives. See, surrender establishes our willingness to obey. God, you show me and I will do it. Show me, I'll do it. That's how our prayers need to be posed. And then the third thing I see just kind of overlooking the prayer is that we need to pray with confidence. Pray with confidence. Hebrews chapter 4 says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. So this approaching God's throne that's what prayer is, coming before God. And what, what the writer is saying is that Jesus is our, is our high priest. He is the one who goes to the Father on our behalf. He is making intercession along with the Holy Spirit with the Father for us. And that Jesus knows our struggle. He identifies because he came and lived on the earth like us. So he knows what it's like to cling to life. 
He knows what it's like to, to, to love life. He, he loved life, even though it was difficult at the end. He understands that he lived on the earth like us. He also knows our weaknesses. He knows our struggles. Was it always easy for Jesus to say, not my will be done, your will? It wasn't easy. It wasn't, wasn't easy for him. He identifies us, but he shows that through worship and surrender, that we can overcome everything, we can resist sin, and we can overcome death. And so what it tells us is that whenever we approach the throne of grace, God, with worship and surrender, then we can approach him with confidence as well. So when you pray, you ought to have confidence in your prayers. Maybe not in your ability to, to say the right words that you want to say in the, in the most eloquent way, but, but you have confidence that approaching God with worship and in full surrender, that you can have confidence knowing that he can do anything. And surrendered life will be used by God. James chapter 5 reminds us that our prayers can be powerful and effective. It says there, the, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and very effective. And a righteous person is one who worships and is surrendered to God. Because we have this amazing, powerful Father that we can run to in every situation. Like a child that goes to their father believing that he can do anything, full confidence. Remember last week we talked about the fact that the Spirit bears witness that we are the children of God. That was a beautiful scripture, wasn't it? That the, that's, the Spirit reminds us that we're a child of God. He's put a deposit in us, His Spirit, to remind us of that. So, so we have a Father, and we need to have confidence in His ability and also in His care and concern for us. Because we are sons and daughters of a Heavenly Father and if we're in the right relationship with him and we worship him in spirit and truth and full surrender, then we have all the rights and the privileges to come before God and our prayers are then powerful and effective. You know, I also believe that God wants us to pray, not just to hear our requests, but more importantly, to maintain our relationship with him. It's such an important part of it, you know. And I, we have four kids, and all of our kids are grown and they live busy lives. They all do. Maybe your kids are like that. You are with your parents. And sometimes my kids don't call me as much as I would like. Anybody else get that? You'd like to hear from them a little bit more, you know, and not just a text, maybe a voice. You'd like to hear that. Uh, whenever they don't call me as much, I start wondering, like, what's going on with my kids, you know? Something in my mind goes, what's going on with them? Why, you know, why aren't they calling you know, did I, did I offend them or something? Or what's going on? Did they find a dad that they like better than me? You know, <laughs> do they not need me anymore? Is that why my kids are, are they so independent? They don't need their daddy anymore. You know, I start worrying about those things and I want to hear from them on a regular basis. I want to hear from my kids. I think God's that kind of God. He, he probably doesn't have those doubts like we do because we're human, but but when God doesn't hear from us, the relationship isn't very consistent, is it? But you know what? My kids maintain the relationship, and they ask for something. I'm going to move heaven and earth to make it happen. I'm going to do it. And my, my youngest daughter, some of you know our youngest daughter went through, uh, had, a, had a seizure, and she's, uh, she's fine, but she can't drive for six months in the state of South Carolina. That's crazy, isn't it? I said, move to Kentucky, you can cut that in half. It's only 90 days here. She wouldn't do it. But she said, Daddy, can you come down and, and drive me around for a week? Sure. 
I'll take a week's vacation and go down and dry your... I did that. It was a great week, you know. I, I love it. I may do it again. You know, that was cool, you know. If, my, if we're in relationship and my kids call me up, I'm going to move heaven and earth to make it happen. But some of us know this. If our kids only call us when they need something, that's an awkward thing, isn't it? That's an awkward experience. I'm going to feel a little bit used. They're going to feel uncomfortable asking me for it and might even cause them to be less communicative if that's the only time they ask. And that creates an awkward place between us and God, right? But when the relationship is consistent, I know they're not just calling me to see what they can get. They're calling to check up. How's it going, Dad? You know, what are you doing? You know, those type of things. And that's what I really want with my kids. And that's what God wants us from us. He wants us to come to Him personally, informally, and consistently. Worshiping Him, surrendering to Him, and having confidence in His power. Now, before we end, let me make a couple of real practical suggestions. I'm gonna, I want this to be practical, and I, I want to challenge you to work on your prayer life in the next three weeks, all right? Because I'm going to be doing it, and, 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 and I'd love feedback. You know, tell me what's going on. You know, email me or, or message or something and say, hey, this is what I'm discovering in prayer. This is what I'm doing, because I'm going to tell you what I'm, I'm going to be trying to do, all right? A couple things I'll challenge you. If you feel like your prayer life is bland, here, here's a suggestion. Number, number one, pray out loud pray out loud. Now, we normally don't do that probably, but you know, maybe you're outside mowing the yard. Well, not, not mowing now, but whatever it is you're doing, you can pray out loud. Because if you're like me, sometimes when you pray only silently, I'm very easily distracted. There are a lot of mental squirrels that run through my mind. You're like, where did I come back from that? You know, I, it's hard to come back sometimes. God knows your thought, but God wants to hear your voice, right? That kind of goes back to the difference between a text and a phone call, kids. You know, we want to hear, God want to hear your voice. And, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of people say, well, I just pray the Lord's Prayer. Well, you know, God doesn't want you to pray the prayer Jesus prayed. It's a great prayer. But Jesus didn't say, pray this prayer. He says, this is how you should pray. So your prayers need to be personalized. Your prayers need to be honest, and they need to be unique about you. God wants to hear your voice. And God wants you to have a, a planned prayer model. And we're going to, we'll talk about that as we get into it, that allows you to worship and surrender and then to approach God with confidence. Here's the second thing. Make it personal and not formal. Make it very personal with you. Uh, your prayers really ought to be so uniquely you that nobody else could pray that prayer. That, that's what God wants. Every one of my kids are different, and they, when they talk to me, it's all in a different way. And so there is no one-size-fits-all prayer. We're invited by the creator of the universe, our Father, to come and share our heart. And it's a personal relationship that's unique to us and Him. And, and so it needs to be informal and personal, and it needs to be consistent. So that's just a couple of things that maybe will help you in that. And, and again, I'm going to work on this, and I'm going to challenge you to do that as well, and let's move a few steps ahead uh, in our spiritual journey with the Lord. But this morning, remember, in our prayer, we worship, we surrender, and then we have confidence.